Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Today, we talk with meditation guru, literally, Johnny Powlard. Johnny is renowned for bringing meditation mainstream via his organization and app, One Giant Mind. If you'll recall, in show 667, Michael Hyatt referenced using the One Giant Mind app as part of his daily spiritual habits. And honestly, more than half of all of our guests on The Ziggler Show are attesting to using meditation as a primary part of their daily habits and routines. And while meditation often has these spiritual undertones to it, what you'll hear is it's ultimately brain training. An example, if you're familiar with the sport of biathlon that combines cross-country skiing and rifle shooting, after vigorously skiing for a distance, the athlete must then stop and calm themselves in order to shoot a very small target. They've got to be effective. Well, in our lives, we tend to go, 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 and then struggle to hit the small targets, the important targets of success that we desire. I think it's a great analogy. Well, Johnny uses meditation to help us daily calm ourselves in order to be present and fully useful and able as we target our most valuable goals. Uh, it's not rest so much as it is fuel. And Johnny states that most of us are prisoners of ourselves, of our own minds. We never stop to gain control of and over our thoughts, anxieties, worries, and never ending duties and roles. We tend to rest by escaping in entertainment, which is more like a pause, I think, than a refocus and recalibrate. So this is an equipping message. It really drove home what we are missing. I'll, I'll own it. What I am missing and what we can gain with taking a moment daily to really be present in our minds. You can connect with Johnny at J-O-N-N-I-P-O-L-L-A-R-D.com or find the One Giant Mind app in your app store or go to one that's the number one one giant mind.com folks i recently asked for itunes reviews and oh my gosh you guys responded it took us well over a thousand they keep coming in and are just such a great testimony thank you so much if i had another favor to ask if you haven't subscribed to the show will you do that it bumps our rankings up and helps folks find us and it helps you make sure you don't miss another episode uh, okay folks here we go johnny pollard and the point is you. How can we help you be a better you? Listen in now. Well, Johnny, I want to dive in deep and in some senses jump to the conclusion here. I mean, the result and the payoff that we are after today with, with this message. Uh, well, here, let me give, let me give a, an attempt at a picture and an analogy, and you can tell me if I'm on track. I mean, we live in, we exist in our bodies and our minds, but more and more it seems that we act more as passengers who don't feel in control and are kind of at the whims of even ourselves. And it feels like it from a big picture standpoint, you're calling us to the opportunity to be the drivers, to be the masters of our body and mind. So I'll ask if that's correct, but then also, and then to what end, I mean, if meditation, uh, if this, this, this concept is a vehicle, what is the end destination that you are on your own mission to deliver to us? Oh, very accurate and very juicy question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so essentially the message is uh, it's front end loaded with um, identifying what I believe that we are all collectively experiencing as a condition of being controlled by the, the, the biochemistry of um, our bodies, uh, the, the, the adrenal products, uh, that are in absolute excess of what we require in any given moment um, overrides uh, the sensitivity to detect who we truly are as, as human beings. And uh, it's that, um, that override of anxiety that we're experiencing as, as human beings that um, cause us to feel uh, doubtful of our purpose, our place, our belonging, our um, our capacity and capability to contribute to the world in a way that is reflective of our deeper nature, uh, which I describe as love, and I I my definition of love is really simple. It is the spontaneous instinct to um, nurture greater connection, growth, and belonging with everybody and everyone, everything that we come into contact with. I believe that it is our deepest instinct to care for each other and to consider the needs of each other and ourselves mutually 
so that we can grow together uh, and in, invariably cultivate a, a deeper sense of belonging to life. Right. And uh, in the absence of that, we suffer terribly and we are very confused. And as a result, we, we construct strategy to try and find our way through life um, and often at the expense of either our own well-being uh, or at the expense of somebody else's mental or emotional um, or even, you know, physical well-being. Um, with, with, with strategy disconnected from this deep sense of who we are, yeah. uh, what it generally doesn't entail is inclusiveness of other. You know, it often comes at the expense of something else. Whereas when we're connected to the truth of who we are, instinctively we're considering the needs of others. We're considering how uh, a symbiotic relationship, one of mutual benefit, is of the utmost importance for the sustainability of our well-being and the well-being of others. So that's 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 at the heart of the message. Well, and I and I get that, and I want to dig into that. You mentioned being controlled by biochemistry. So I am heavily involved in the health and wellness industry and partner in a, in a medical clinic that focuses on, on functional medicine. So we're looking at the whole person and so myself, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this home to a first person here, you know, mm-hmm. as I seek to gain as much wellness as I possibly can in my own life through, you know, through my exercise, through my diet, through my relationships, through so many different things. The interesting thing is I, we have a health coach on our team who uh, is incredibly, incredibly insightful. And she feels with me, the biggest thing that I struggle with is just going too fast. Uh, and the anxiety from that, not, not from a worry standpoint, I'm just kind of an excited guy in general and going after things that I care about. (laughs) And yet, uh, and yet that is the thing that I struggle with the most. And she thinks is harming my own biochemistry, my gut, my digestion, things of, of just that tactile of a nature. So on that in, uh, just this morning, I had the thought occur just as I'm prepping for the interview. And I started to type in stress and meditation just in Google, just to see, and then click the news button just to kind of see what's being talked about. Cause I like to keep a pulse on it. Well, here's what's interesting. And you'll appreciate this. As I started typing it in stress space, M E D I meditation didn't come up. Google automatically filled in medication. medication. You see, you yeah. beat me to the punchline yeah. and there you go. So when you talk about we, when things are not going right, when we are not well, we start to construct a strategy. And I would unfortunately venture to say that that right there, tell, talk to us about that, about our aspect of, of, of not a healthy strategy, but a, a medication strategy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll never, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and say sure. in any absolute definitive way that medication is the, you know, the absolute evil of our, of our well-being. Um, it, I believe in some circumstances, circumstances, you know, with acute and chronic conditions and diseases, medication is everything. Um, however, when it comes to addressing the, I, I would say, the median uh, level of stress in the world, um, medication isn't a solution or, or a sustainable um, right. response to, to what's going on. Now, with reference to, you know, your personal anecdote of, you know, always running, you know, you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just a very enthusiastic guy that just wants to go for, for everything that I'm really passionate about. What I tend to do in my personal, in my private practice when um, people come to me and ask me my perspective on how they might be able to remedy a situation like this, I immediately challenge your baseline assumption of, you know, who you perceive yourself to be mm. and why you are behaving that way. You know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Are you, you know, the hyper-energetic, you know, go get a guy because you've got too much cortisol in your system and you don't know how to regulate that and be more measured in the way in which you disperse amounts of energy across the different areas of your life to create balance. Um, Yes. And keep going. (laughs) Or, 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 um, you know, uh, 
is it that, you know, your enthusiasm hasn't yet just caught up with other aspects of responsibility that you have in your life that requires the same amount of attention and energy? You know, so um, we tend to miss the, the thing that we need um, because of these baseline assumptions that we have about just the way we are. It's just the way I am, you know. People say to me, there's no way you're going to be able to teach me to meditate because uh, my mind is just constantly filled with thoughts. I can't sit still and it's just the way I am. And I always laugh and I go, yeah, well, it's just the way you are right now relative to the condition of, um, you know, what you've been exposed to both internally and environmentally. And so what I always pose is an opportunity for exploring different ways of not only viewing ourselves but the way that we can behave on a day-to-day basis the way that we commit ourselves to certain practices and activities that um, can change our ideas through experience uh, of how we think we are who we think we are the way we are and so for you personally I would say that you um, are deeply connected to a, a quality which I believe is inherent in all of us human beings enthusiasm uh, you know, enthusiasm is the the um, the spontaneous desire to want to participate in life with the full expression of our spirit. And um, quite often, there are forces at play with inside of ourselves and around us that can inhibit that enthusiasm. And sometimes, naturally enthusiastic people to overcompensate for the forces that are at play that try and dampen that we force more of that enthusiasm out and, you know, make it the absolute pointy end of our spear with how we go about doing everything. And we almost become like a bull in a China shop um, in terms of how we're expressive of our energy um, in order to kind of override the forces that are at play mm-hmm. that, you know, if we were perhaps more measured, they, they, they might override us and, you know, dampen our enthusiasm get on top of us. And, and so, you know, and I'm just, you know, just putting something out there for your, for your consideration right now. No, I appreciate that. I need to be, I need to be challenged. I mean, back to my health coach, I mean, she has talked about meditation as we look at the things that I'm doing, look at the results that I want to get. She continually comes back to, am I meditating? And I think to some degree I have thought, well, here, I'll I'll give you a favorite quote that I'm sure you are well-versed in. It's from Pascal. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. That statement has convicted me for a long time. And my, probably my most soulful place, my most peaceful place is in the woods, uh, sitting down, away from everything and be, I, I could get more peace there than just about anywhere else, but I'm generally still thinking, pondering on things. So I, I yeah. don't, go ahead. So I, I, I think Pascal's quote is great in terms of where it's leading us, but it's, it's, I, I don't, I think it needs to go a layer deeper because it's one thing to sit alone, but it's another thing to actually understand how to reconcile what's going on inside of us. Yeah. You know, when we, when we do sit, quietly alone, for the most part, what we're confronted with is an uncontrollable amount of noise that's going on inside of us, a dissonance, an incoherence that makes it difficult for us to determine who and what we are and how to operate this this instrument we call our mind that really is, is responsible for so much of what we do and how we show up in the world. And I think that the reason why people don't sit uh, quietly with themselves in a room is because of this, Mm. is because when they do, it's like so overwhelming that they're like, I can't make sense of any of this. I'm one of those people that just can't quiet their mind. So I'm just going to occupy myself with all of these distractions um, and, um, you know, get on with it. And as a result of not listening to ourselves, we start to wear the machine down the nervous system starts to become strung out. Uh, The brain ceases to function properly. The body starts to produce chemistry that is not appropriate um, to match the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And as a result, it it creates confusion, exhaustion, fatigue, 
and stress. Yeah. In the, uh, and that causes, you know, over periods of time, wear and tear on the system that gives rise to illnesses, disease, chronic conditions, um, you know, ter- poor relationships, uh, dissatisfaction with life. And then we have a world that we live in now. Yeah. <laughs> I think that char- characterizes a majority of what most people are experiencing. And so what, what I concern myself with on a day-to-day basis is trying to provide insights um, based on my own personal experience and what I've studied for about 25 years is the process by which we can um, sit down with ourselves and make sense of our internal world uh, with reference to what I believe to be our, our deepest nature, which is to love. And love, as I described before, is that instinct to want to contribute to the world in some meaningful way where everyone benefits mutually. Um, and it, and it's, it, it's driven with a sense of, uh, by a sense of responsibility for there to be balance in all transactions. Now, if we lead with that, then we have a context for how we can interact with ourselves internally. You know, because quite often when we sit quietly and we listen to the noise, the nonsense that's going on inside of our minds, we realize that there is a lot of activity taking place in there that is contrary to that instinct to love. There's a lot of self-loathing, a lot of judgment, criticism, um, hyper-strategic analytical um, processes taking place that are driven by a sense of mistrust and fear of the moment, mistrust of others. And so if, if we can shift our perspective uh, when we take a moment to sit quietly with ourselves and consider our deepest nature to love, starting with ourself, mm-hmm. um, and then understand the mechanics of how to love ourselves um, with, the, with the, the understanding that we're cultivating that capability to then be expressive of that love to the, with the world, um, then immediately so much of the noise starts to dissipate. We know how to interact with ourselves. We know how to take control of the, the narrative that's taking place inside of our mind. If, if a narrative uh, is dominant, that is talking about, um, you know, the need to defend ourselves or reject, repel another person or belittle somebody else in order for us to feel more more validated or more important, then we know how to correct that by the simple principle of what love is. Is okay, how, how can we both be seen, heard, validated, and elevated in this in this moment? And um, I don't propose that it's an easy thing to do, but it's a starting point and it's a very, very reliable reference point for making progress internally to determine what's important in our lives right now. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Well, I'm learning uh, uh, through you and am really intrigued by it because, you you know, my, yeah, I do have a tendency to uh, have a life that doesn't have enough margin, doesn't have enough boundaries. That's why I take things on and I, you know, am, am excited about things that I'm doing, but I tend to run on that level. And I think to some degree, I've been a prisoner of myself uh, as I'm starting to see. But even as you talk about, you know, the franticness and the distractions, I, you know, I've, I've, I've created a life. We live up in the national forest. We can't see neighbors. We don't hear noises. We're not a TV family. Uh, that's not on a, an average evening is everybody sitting around with a book and there's candles and a fire going on and some nice music. And, and that's good. But, uh, heavenly, I'd say <laughs> it, it is, it, it is, it, it really is. It is, but I'm going to give it a, but, um, I am generally there and I am in thought about an idea, uh, about a concept, uh, e- even in a, in a great nonfiction book, maybe, or, or something, I am not listening to myself. And that's what I keep coming to with your message. I have a, I do have a narrative going on and I'm not paying attention to it. So, well, for disclosure, the reason, one of the main reasons you're here, I had been sent your information by your uh, publicist, uh, I guess, and had not uh, engaged in it. I interviewed uh, Michael Hyatt a couple weeks ago, 
And in the habits show that we did together and, and I asked him about the spiritual spoke of his life, he mentioned his daily use of your one giant mind app. <laughs> Great. And I connected the dots and dug in. Uh, so that's what got me into it. And for the first time, I also, for disclosure, I interviewed Dan Harris probably over two years ago. And for folks mm -hmm. who don't know him, I don't know what show number it was. I forgot to get that, but his book is 10% happier. And he talks about meditation and what it did for his life after a panic attack on live television. But now he's talking uh, from it as a student. Uh, you're here as a teacher, but the point is for myself, I didn't start meditating yesterday. I meditated Johnny. Uh, and I, I emailed you about this. I downloaded your app. I went through it. I took the time. I sat here in my office for 15 minutes and I went through it and it was significant. I did it again today before we came on here and I did not do such a good job of quieting my mind. Uh, I don't know if right before an interview is the best time for me to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. because I, I did have things on my mind. I got some good ideas, uh, but it was not that time of listening to me. That's what feels that what, that's what feels different from even, yeah, Pascal's quote of sitting alone. Um, I can do that. I don't need distractions and, and, and interaction, but I still have a narrative going on. I still have a focal point. I'm not just quieting the mind. And you talk about this in regards to the golden sequence. These are ancient traditions, which to me is, is ancient truths. I mean, we would all do better to eat like we did eons ago and sleep like we did and have relational interaction. And you're talking about also that we used to have times with no input, with a quieted mind, with mm -hmm. that peace that is so foreign today. And I, again, I'm just testifying here of my personal journey to, it is a foreign thing, Johnny, even as I would, I think I thought that I was able to quiet. No, I, I think that that's just a foreign term to quiet my mind. I, I is, is that it? I mean, that's so hard to conceive of to quiet my mind. And it does sound And you address this in your app of don't force it. Mm -hmm. I've always viewed it as that. How am I supposed to not think of anything, Johnny? Yeah, exactly. You're not, you know, the, the, the biggest misconception about meditation is this idea that we have to quiet our mind. You know, some, some guided meditations start off with now let go of all of your thoughts, empty your mind, let go of all of your stress and let's begin. And it's like, well, if I could do all of that, why would I need to meditate? <laughs> you know, Which like true. Yeah. 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 And that's an indication of somebody that probably doesn't meditate themselves. You know, if they've start their, med their meditation off like that, then uh, yeah, be concerned. The, the reality is that um, the mind is a thinking machine and that our nature is that we are, we experience a constant flow of creative insight about what's happening in this moment. And you are one of these people that are constantly on and are constantly inspired by what's happening in the moment and your ability to respond and contribute and participate. You have this deep desire to just create and you see yes. the potentiality of the moment. You see, oh, we could do this and we could do that. And, mm -hmm. and your mind is constantly splintering off into um, tangents of potentiality and it's only reflective mm -hmm. of your nature it's a beautiful thing it doesn't need to be suppressed it only needs to be nurtured mm -hmm. and um uh my my recommendation uh is for you to just keep meditating and uh providing a little bit of um rest and repose from the incessant driving down that creative highway instead you know what you can do is let go of the steering wheel take your foot off the pedal and what you'll notice is there is an autopilot that will kick in and in the app i give you a very simple instruction of what to do and what you'll notice is the mind will start to um, lead itself into a place where it will gain all the rest that it needs, rejuvenation and a, a replenishment of sorts. Mm -hmm. The exercise here is to not quieten the mind. It's not to try and stop it. It's not to do anything with it other than be innocent with the technique that I give you. And essentially all we're doing is recharging the battery. It's a misconception to believe that having thoughts in your mind is a bad thing. It's not. 
we're not interested in removing thoughts. We're only interested in improving the quality of our thoughts, hmm. the coherence of our thoughts, the usefulness of our thoughts. What are the quality? Uh, what is the quality of your of your thinking? Because with high grade coherent thinking, it always leads to high grade coherent behavior that is about creating something that's of use, that is expressive of who you truly are as a person, that is elevating to others around you, and that creates greater connection, growth, and belonging, which are, you know, my three key things that define uh, um, fulfillment in this life. When we have connection, we have shared experience of our experience of growing, and, and that nurtures our sense of belonging, then we are fulfilled as human beings. And, and it's coherence of the mind that does that. And what meditation does, um, if practiced correctly, um, is it, it, it just removes whatever obstacles that are in the road. And what I mean by obstacles, impressions of the past, or another term for that is stresses, stresses in our nervous system that we're carrying from the past that we haven't. When we can remove those obstructions, what we're doing is we're clearing the pathway for more coherent insight to flow through us in the present moment to give us a more accurate perception of the present moment and to tap that innate creativity that we all have. One of the qualities of our humanity that we all share, that I believe is universal, is that we are intelligently creative or creatively intelligent, however you want to put it. Right, right. And that, that our, our, our most instinctive response to the moment when we're not encumbered by fear, by insecurity, by doubt, by scarcity, by, by the need to compete, when we can remove those, those elements for a moment and just tap that pure desire to want to be of service to the world what we tap is a, an enormously powerful force that structures itself in very useful ideas of what we can do with ourselves in the world and i think that you you describing yourself as you know somebody that is very innately tapped to that and i think that all all that's required is um you know, a, a maturing of sorts mm -hmm. of your relationship to that, that energy, to that, to that force that's flowing through you and to realize that it's who you are. There's no last chance mentality. You don't have to bite on to absolutely every idea that you have, right. you know, um, it, it's, it's tempering the enthusiasm to the enthusiasm. Like your enthusiasm has enthusiasm and and, and, and just asking yourself, okay, you know, what is the best way that I can be of service to the world? And my family included, you know, myself included, because you are a part of the world. Your family is a part of the world. And um, when we have that more holistic view in terms of our responsibilities of how we distribute our energy, um, then immediately we, we experience more balance if you actually make that priority to consider the needs of the whole, the whole picture, starting with yourself, you know, have I, have I drunk enough water today? Mm -hmm. Have I, have, have I rested enough? Have I taken time to, to step out onto my veranda and look at the, the magnificent nature that I'm surrounded by? Have I spent time with my family, really listened to where they're at, comprehended what they're experiencing? I think I'm diving into a section that we're going to record later on, but, uh, um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, the, these simple, these simple practices immediately create balance and create context for this, this, this powerful creative energy that you have running through you. Well, and you said a couple of things there that I am, I think tapping into that in looking at this exercise of meditation, that it is not just a rest for your brain. Cause theoretically we would get that when we sleep. This, this is, this is an equipping and the, the brain training, the, you know, there's more and more content coming out on neuroplasticity that we can retrain our brains. That's what has me uh, enamored here. Uh, but to come back to something you talked about that, the word love a, a lot. 
and our responsibility. I don't think there's anybody listening to this show uh, that's not interested in bettering themselves and bettering humanity. Ultimately, they want to have purpose. They want to matter to somebody. They want to make a difference to people. Uh, And yet in that, as I was reading through your book, it got me to thinking about, cause you do bring it back to ourselves. You said that start with self because I'll never uh, forget years ago, sitting in at a church in a church and the pastor was exhorting everybody to go out and, and serve their neighbor, serve their community, make a difference. And I was just an acute place and an acute place of knowing some of the stories that were going on there, right in the congregation, those people that he's speaking to that were in a significant place of brokenness. And I thought they have no more ability to go out and serve anybody Mm -hmm. else. They are just sitting there in jeopardy in survival mode themselves. The guy would be better on stage and I'm not naming any names, but I I I was a little upset because he's speaking them to go out. He needed to be talking to them, building them up. They need to start. We all do to start with ourselves. So I appreciate your focal point there of saying, okay, this may be our endeavor. This may be our desire to go out and help, but we have to start with ourselves. And I think that's a primary place. Well, I know it is, uh, that I have struggled with as I want to go out and make a difference. I have not made a difference often in myself Mm. to begin with. And I go out and try to pour out with an empty pitcher. Yeah. Um, Allow me to introduce a a different perspective that I think Mm -hmm. includes all of it, mine and the pastors. And um, I don't think that serving ourselves and serving the world are uh, necessarily have to be linear and sequentially elaborated. It's very important that we tend to ourselves and when we have established some kind of regime of self-care, that is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process, daily ritual of really checking in with ourselves and determining what it is that we need in order to flourish and grow. Um, then obviously we're going to be more clear about how it is that we can bring ourselves into the world and serve. It's my perspective that we truly understand ourselves as human beings when we are referencing the needs of the greater whole with ourselves included. So it's not just about thinking about our needs and then thinking about the needs of others. It's actually doing it simultaneously, recognizing that we all, all of those things coexist right now and require the, the awareness, the simultaneity of awareness in the present moment. I can't just be aware of my needs and then consider the needs of my partner as kind of some linear process that's separate from each other. What I need to do and what I am very capable of and what we are all very capable of as human beings is having that experience of simultaneous awareness, the awareness of my own personal needs and the awareness of others all at the same time. This is what makes us very extraordinary complex creatures. And this is what I believe to be the, the goal uh, of us as a, as a species is cultivating the capacity to sustain simultaneous awareness of our own personal needs and the needs of others and uh, work on those being uh, grown in a shared experience. And so you're absolutely right in feeling a sense of um, uh, ineffectiveness in, in that pastor's or priests' um, discourse in that day, being aware that there were people in that uh, congregation that were not feeling up to the task of stepping out and, and serving. Right. Um, what we need is a message of balance. You know, we start with ourselves, but without losing sight of our responsibility because there is a huge trend in the self-development, self-help world where the pursuit for, for, for well-being and self-help, it, it becomes hedonistic. Mm-hmm. And it's not in the context of bettering yourself to better the world. It's just better, better yourself <laughs> to get ahead yeah, or, yeah. you know, like the whole mindfulness movement. Um, you know, there's an aspect of the mindfulness movement that is extremely hedonistic in so much as that it's about becoming more mindful so that you, bec- you become better at what you're doing that isn't necessarily good for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, improving concentration and focus 
and increasing your energy levels to continue doing the same thing you've always been doing that caused the stress in the first place. There's a lot of that going on, uh, particularly in the corporate in the corporate sector. And so, what I what I'm proposing here as a as a differentiation for consideration is that we need to learn to consider our own personal needs and a pathway of well-being um, that includes um, the needs of others and how we bring ourselves into the world. We can't look at them in silos and in isolation anymore. We have to look at it as one whole big picture. And I believe that for someone like you, this perspective is an absolute game changer where you're not taking your eye off the, you know, the, the, the cream, the thing that lights you up, which is being of service. You know, the thing that I think lights you up the most is when you know what, what you've outputted into the world today was of benefit to someone. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. And, and I think, Johnny, I think that is that, well, our audience, they wouldn't be here. They'd be listening to some mind candy somewhere else. Uh, if they did not want to, again, make a difference, step out. And, and I really appreciate that though, because I think a lot of us, I know I have, have been burned by the self-help personal development world that I live in. I mean, that is my vocation because mm. it does tend to, I've seen this in counseling specifically uh, mm. with people in acute counseling where life becomes about them, becomes about their self-care. And as you said, that word hedonistic, I think it comes into. So that's the, that's the dark side of it there. I, however, and I was going to bring this up. Well, actually, it came right out of your book. You, you actually talked about dehumanization, and you had a definition. You said uh, the reckless compromise or straight-up ignoring of what we as humans need to be well and flourish. And it, what struck me is, one, I grew up in a, in a high-production family and go out there and, and save the world and do great things. And my own, I'll own this for myself because it wasn't just from them, but I went out and I was going to suffer. I'm, I'm going to push and I'm going to pour. And now I see the culture we're in right now. That's so enamored with the superhero uh, perspective mm-hmm. where there's no thought for self. You get a beating, you get down, you know, it, it takes you to, to the lowest level and you still get up and you just do more. And there's no balance as you said. And that is Again, you know, maybe it's a generational aspect. I'm 48 years old. Uh, a gener- I don't know if there's a generational aspect to that because I don't know what we would say about the millennials right now. It's not my, it's not my forte there, but where are we on this aspect of one, making sure that we are equipped. We are going back to your statement of dehumanization, that we are doing what we need to do to be well and flourish. But, but then again, you kind of, you kind of, I wasn't on the wavelength you just brought of, we don't want to go into the side of hedonism. It's all about us. There is that balance. It's a difficult place that probably none of us have any teaching in. Yeah. And the way that I present it is the responsibility of belonging. The thing that keeps us accountable to um, remaining true and honest in our pursuit for cultivating greater well-being. Um, and I, I, you know, people say our wellness and, and well-being are interchangeable, but I, I actually think that well-being is the operative word, you know, being well, you know, being in a, being in a state of wellness, um, you know, I, I think is, is, is a really, really important definition to make um, or distinction to make. Um, and so um, when, we, when we consider that we are existing in a world where, we are interdependent, whether we like it or not. Everything that we do as individuals is having an impact on the whole and everything that the whole is doing is having an impact on us and invariably informing ourselves of, of who we are in some way. Um, we, we immediately are put into a position of power to consider the, the, the contribution that we're making. And our, our contribution isn't with consideration to just, you know, our output, you know, what, what, what we're, the legacy we're leaving, you know, the, the, you know, what we're contributing in some kind of functional utility way or, you know, how we're inspiring people to, to, to live or, or whatever. What, what it's forcing us to do 
when we truly embrace the responsibility of belonging is to reflect on our internal reality and, and the condition of our internal reality and to what extent that we are actually embodying that value system that we are trying to espouse in the world and inspire others to live by. And it's that little matrix point there, the, 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 the message and to the extent that that message is embodied by the medium that is ex- the exponent of the message um, that I believe is the new paradigm Mm-hmm. Um, for the whole wellness movement and the whole well-being movement, self-development movement, this principle of embodiment, um, and uh, I, I think that at the, the the moment that we as individuals can grasp and comprehend the importance of embodying our message and truly living what it is that we are trying to create in the world, then we will see an immediate correction of everything that's imbalanced in our lives. You know, and it, cause, because embodiment means, you know, right down to the granular, you know, we're encouraging others to spend more time with our families, to eat well, to, to connect with nature, to, to, to take time out for ourselves and really just, um, you know, immerse ourselves in what we love. And when we re- reflect on our own message and, and actually take the time out, to, to do that, it, it immediately corrects all the things that aren't uh, in balance in our lives. Well, and I, I think this would be an, a really important thing for you to reflect on. Well, I, I know, I know. And, it, and it's, it's interesting you say that because you know, to some degree, I mean, so, so the book, The Golden Sequence, you know, the four uh, primary areas, and I want to list them out for people because we're not going to get into them uh, today, but you talk about uh, the four areas. Life is sacred. Love is our nature. Wisdom is our power. Fulfillment is our purpose. And I went through and studied what you wrote and, and we have, yeah, some significant alignment there, but if we even take out, I'll call it, uh, if it's fair, I'll call it doctrine, you know, of, of what somebody wants to achieve. And then I come over here into, again, what Michael Hyatt introduced me to was your app, one giant mind. Mm. Not that you don't get into that, but you really don't. It, it really comes off to me is this, here's an exercise that if you want to, be well, or let's say weller, um, that you would say, whatever your doctrine do this so Mm -hmm. that you can go out and better walk out, whatever that doctrine, uh, may be, which is a great point. And I know we've traded emails on this, that regardless of somebody's, uh, belief, whether it's in Buddha or whether it's in Christ or whatever, it's in a tree or whatever it may be, um, Mm -hmm. that, that, that as much as you do talk to some of this in, in the book, Again, we are, I'm enamored by this is a, uh, I exercise. I, I do resistance with my muscles. I do, I do cardio with my lungs. I should do more stretching, whether that's yoga or something else. And I'm not as good at that. I look at what I eat. I look at my relational health. We're going to do the habits show next and talk about those areas. This, however, well, I'm going to ask you to where to put because to me this is this is a foundational thing. Well, let's put put it like sleep. No matter what you do, you must sleep. That's that's a you don't get out of that one. Yep, mm-hmm. it's like gravity. There's mm-hmm. there's there are some absolute truths, and you are not mm-hmm. going to go far without sleep. You're not going to go very far without uh, without water. You can go a mm-hmm. long time without food. Uh, mm-hmm. But if we come back to this, that this is it feels like a lost art, a lost exercise of not resting our brains so much, but of, of what, you know what? I'll just hand it to you. Of, of exposing ourselves to the quality of attention and awareness of the truth of who we are as, as human beings. If we're exposed to high pressure situations that are demanding more than we have to give, then over time we become something other than what we really are. And this is the great conflict that humanity faces is that, there is a, a, an acute identity crisis. Mm. We know in our, our sense of conscience who we are as good people, and yet the stress and strain and pressure of life causes us to behave out of alignment with that. And we feel so terrible about the fact that we behave in ways that aren't who we truly are, and yet we feel powerless to change it. We feel like we're involuntarily just behaving in, in particular ways that aren't reflective of our values. And And... Uh, this is a, a terrible problem for us humans because we're actually deeply caring beings. And when we start to violate our own sensibility, our own values, 
and and find ourselves not having any control over it psychologically it, it starts to cause all kinds of layers of problems for us self-loathing mm-hmm. loathing of others all of this stuff and that then metastasizes into all kinds of other problems meditation is a simple practice of amplifying the truth of our being and it is a, an amplifier of the um, the faculties by which we experience faith. The the and, and irrespective of what your faith is, it is the thing that enlivens the place where we connect with that which is most sacred to us. And you know, in those four golden insights that you outlined, you know, this is applicable to all all. Mm-hmm worldviews, all doctrines, you know, irrespective of what you deem to be sacred, divine. Um, we as human beings are accessing the experience of that divinity through the same faculties, our own sensory awareness. And when we can clear the channels of our sensory awareness to connect more purely mm-hmm. to that place where the experience of the divine is within inside of us, then it is immediately amplified our connection to it is increased and therefore its influence in our lives is wrapped right up. And so meditation is a, uh, you know, like water and sleep. It is a, a, a means by which we can amplify that, which fuels uh, the best version of ourselves, the highest qualities that we are able to be expressive of as human beings. That's, that's how I frame meditation and why I perceive it to be so critical right now, because what we need to do is have a factory reset. We need to hit that button mm-hmm. to get back to the truth of who we are. And we, we can't think ourselves into that place. We know that we try it. Uh, we, we need to actually have a, a, a methodology by which the mind can go beyond the, the incessant uh, bondage of of thinking that that keeps us locked in that aspect of ourselves that we don't like that we loathe actually that we can move beyond and and connect with the the deeper truth of our love and our desire to want to be good people yeah uh, and and that's what meditation does and that is what i wanted to get to uh is your perspective on that because uh, well, for, you said the word aware. It's one of my favorite words in being and uh, doing this with so many amazing people. I, I, that's what I tend to come down to. It's, it's what we aren't aware of that seems to harm us the most. And our greatest revelations come from what we are aware of, aware of. Mm-hmm. And my, my daily prayer is open my eyes, open my ears. Let me see what I'm not doing. Reveal to me what I don't see. Uh, by the time of this posting, we'll have launched another show in my production company. It's called Aware Broadcasting. Uh, that's the Beautiful. that's the focus. And you know, I was going to end this, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go one step further. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick on my Christian brethren uh, if I can, and but I'm going to frame it to you and see what you think, because I know a lot of folks who, and again, I'm and admittedly, uh, I'll say that because I am an admitted Christian, I'll I'll freely pick on them. A lot of folks who would say, who am I? And they'd say, I'm a Christian. And how, how am I? Well, I'm, I'm Christian-like. Well, why am I? Well, because of Christ. And I would say, I know a dramatic amount of people that makes no difference whatsoever in your daily life. It has no benefit whatsoever because it doesn't get to how do you honestly really right now feel and think about yourself? And again, I'm going to put myself in first person because I think that's something that I am not, I won't even say I'm afraid to, because as I've, as I've just, just stuck a toe in, I'm not afraid of that. I just don't take the time for it. I would rather for whatever reasons, which we could we could go through some counseling and therapy with me to figure out more, which I probably should do. I just, I want to do, I want to go produce. I want to, I want to whatever for, for whatever reasons, but I'm doing that from a pay, a place of, I would say just ignorance. That's not stupidity. It's just lack of awareness, not having knowledge of not being in tune with what do I feel? What do I feel about myself? What do I feel in myself? What do I think about myself? What am I thinking inside of myself right now? I generally am not aware. I'm not taking the time to be aware. I just push the gas, go full throttle forth and am probably almost always handicapped by what I'm not 
aware of. And, and I, so I'm sold is what I'm saying, Johnny on this. There's been far too testimony and folks who have been listening to the show and listening to the habits show. I think you've heard the term meditation so many times from so many people, from so many different faith perspectives that I would ask them to set those aside and look at this as a training for your being training for your brain and to help you even figure out what your faith may be and where you sit within that. Uh, Ooh. this is something that I want to be more in tune with who I am, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling so that I can be better for all those people that I really do believe that I want to help. Um, so I'm going to be listening to your app every day. <laughs> and I will have to say that we see people, you know, we even see athletes out there, uh, on the field, on the court, whatever. And of course they're all great, but once in a while we see somebody and we think, Oh my gosh, they were born to do this. Listening to the app and your voice, I, I would say this, you were born for this. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, it is, it's, it's amazing. I'm really impressed. I'm really grateful that you have done and are doing what you do to bring this uh, to this, we'll have to give thanks to Michael Hyatt for bringing us together. Uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a big part, thank you, Michael. <laughs> yes, a big part of it. Uh, but thank you. I, I'm going to be I'm going to be pinging you as I dig into this more myself, and I'm anxious to hear from our audience uh, as well. Uh, this this is is a big deal, um, and I'm grateful for what you're doing, Johnny. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's been great to chat with you. Well, folks, I just got counseled, okay, really chastised by my best friend, business partner, functional medicine, MD, to meditate. He says the thing that I need most for my personal health, it's just an exercise I have not yet made a consistent habit, but I must do it. The times I've done it, it's been significant, but I just have not made it that daily thing yet, and I, I'm going to do it. Uh, again, you can connect with Johnny at John, uh, well, com, or again, find the one giant mind app in your app store or go to one. That's the number one giantmind.com. And who do you know that would benefit from or appreciate this show? Will you tell them forward the show to them? Tell them they need to listen to show 671 of the Ziegler show. Be a hero in their lives today. Coming up next in show 672, you can't do it all, and chances are 99% you are currently doing too much. Uh, I say you, as always, talking to myself primarily. But hey, we get stuck, right? Join the crowd. Insanity is doing the same things over and over and hoping for different results, right? Well, in show 663, we talked with Michael Hyatt about his book, Free to Focus. There are three segments of the book, Stop, Cut, and Act. And I really honed in on the difficulty of cutting. I mean, stopping to take things into account, chart a course, set our goals, uh, and acting on those things. I think most of us do that pretty well, or at least we hear a lot of content. And those seem to get primary focus in the personal development sector, business de development as well. But then we generally get overwhelmed. So that middle initiative, cutting, realizing everything we say yes to just adds up to overwhelmedness if we don't also say no to some things. That is what I, I really targeted in the show. And I ask these questions to our Ziegler audience. What are some good things you do in your life daily and weekly that might be getting in the way of great things you could invest in? Uh, if half your responsibilities disappeared, what meaningful work would you spend more time doing? I mean, in your career and business and personal life, what tasks would you most delegate if you could? Well, then I had Michael Hyatt himself join me to talk through your responses. And I truly felt you may have a light bulb moment from this show. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>